so with that, hi and welcome to the hype. Ah, fuck. I don't like, I really should you know just change the, the intro. The price is right. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi and welcome to After the Hype with me as always, Brian and John. Hi. Uh, today we are joined by Tony. Hello. Ryan. Hello. And Cody. Hey. That was, yeah. I might even delete the first, no, I'm going to leave it in. I always leave, leave it in. Leave it in. Shitty yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's worth it. You know what? It, the it, second it, one was so much better though. Actually, it makes yeah. us real. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we'll get started really quick with where have you been doing. Uh, as usual, I'm going to go first. Okay. Um, oh, geez. I have been finishing TV shows that I went, I'm done with you. Uh, and I've recently finished two of them. I have more than I'm going to start doing. I'm going to go to Mad Men and Rescue Me and like a bunch of those shows that I kind of went, eh, this is dumb now, I'm done. Yeah. Um, but the first one I did was Californication, and I'll talk about that some other time. And then the second one was Weeds. Because mm. I think ultimately between those two shows, Weeds was probably a better show more often than not. But that's yeah. because I think they really embraced their shark-jumping nature of like, we're going to take really stupid left turns. And either you're on board or you're not. It's like, we're going to go off the rails quite a bit, and we're okay with this. Oh, yeah. And, like, you, you have to be okay with it. Yeah. Oh, we're going to send the main character to jail, and she's going to be a lesbian and get a prison tattoo. And you're fine with it, or you're not watching our show anymore. And I always kind of embrace, like, that kind of balls of the wall nature of the show. <laughs> Here's a precursor to uh, yeah. Orange is the New Black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, they really shit the bed in the last episode. Oh, that, la- that, that last season is rough. I actually didn't think so. Everyone had told me the last season was rough. And I was like, you I know, think it's mostly just that, that, that last episode. Man, right? that was a rough it, episode. For being the last thing you see slash remember from that season, yeah. it was like, oh, Because the show was so funny. And then like, you know what? Let's make it an hour drama and make it deathly serious. Just in the last episode. And you know what? For shits and giggles, we're going to put it in the future and everyone's going to have clear cell phones and type with laser keyboards. And it's like, what the fuck? fuck was that yeah i'm not sorry i stopped watching that. <laughs> <laughs> but like but like brian said that's just the last episode yeah. yeah there's a lot of interesting stuff in that season but you kind of forget about it like i don't yeah. remember much that happened in that season other than that really weird different last episode and it's just so depressing like the end it of the is. show is just like i mean it's been out forever and we spoil everything this podcast but it, it like the end of the show it's just like oh by the way everyone hates nancy now and she's by herself yeah and like that's how it ends it's she like, gets her one bone with andy and that's like you feel icky and sad for her. That is really sad. Yeah, like it's such a bummer of an it's ending. A, like every, throughout the the entire last episode is all the men in her life that she's been like collecting, all saying why she's a horrible person and wants nothing to do with them, nothing to do with her the rest of her life. Wow. She and basically gets one her, after the other, and it's just like holy shit. She gets her emotional come up and it's like all at once, and it, it makes you feel like suicidal. Yeah, <laughs> I felt really bad after watching that, that episode. It's like I gotta. Go watch something happy. Yeah, it was really, it was a really bad misstep, and it makes me worried about how they're gonna end Orange is New Black. Because if that's how she ends shows, I'm good. Hmm. <laughs> uh, that's it for me, though. So if you wanna, oh yeah, I'll go. I'll go on. next. Um, it's been kind of hectic. Uh, the only main thing that I, I went and saw The Gift, mm. which I'm only bringing it up because I think it's one of the best movies of the year. Mm. Based on the previews, you would never get that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but I'm just telling you, go see it. it it's a movie that has an ending that kind of... It's kind of a cliffhanger ending. Not really, but kind of. That doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't feel like a Christopher Nolan Inception type uh, type ending. It doesn't feel like a <coughs> Birdman ending. <laughs> <laughs> that was gross. That was super gross. Well done. <laughs> so for the podcast listeners, man, just kind of cop spit all over my section of the table. <laughs> but not you're done your coffee. coffee. Yeah, it missed the coffee by about a foot. It missed the coffee, thank God. I would have thrown down. 
Um, that would have been our best on episode that note, <laughs> On that note, go see The Gift. It's fantastic. You don't have to keep drawing the and table. And John, I apologize for <laughs> spitting on you. That's okay. I'll, I'll go next, since you've passed the talking stick. <laughs> the talking stick over to me. Now when you have to, what's your turn? Spit it right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, oh, God. Oh, God. Um, so I've told you guys before about the uh, podcast, You Must Remember This, about kind of the you know secret and forgotten history of Hollywood's like first century and all that. They just had an arc that I just finished about uh, Charles Manson's Hollywood and how he affected the the scene at the time. And it was fascinating because the host, the creator, she um, kind of brings all this information out in such a very easy-to-listen-to way and a very kind of narrative storytelling way that feels very light. It's like if... You know, it's, it's the same level of professionalism and kind of skill that, like, an, uh, This American Life host might have where you feel like you're really in this narrative and you're just getting all this information. It doesn't feel like an info dump. I didn't know a lot about it. I knew kind of tangentially what, kind of all, like, the overarching thing about it, but the particulars were so fascinating. I really recommend it. What if I hate listening to podcasts? Then don't. Thank you for being our podcast again, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what this is. Oh, uh, yeah. I quit. <laughs> Spit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I guess I'll right. uh, So I haven't had a lot of time to, to read or watch much this week. Uh, I checked out this movie called Birdman this weekend. Wow. But also, uh, I want to talk about the, uh, the three-minute clip of Fear the Walking Dead that AMC released this week. Uh, I watched it. I mean, the production value looks really cool. Uh, the creators are going out on the media and talking about how interesting... Uh, this story is going to be how it's set more recent after the uh, event that created the apocalypse or the zombies or whatever. Uh, talking all about L.A.'s climate, how the dry air would do different things to the zombies. And uh, the, the, the trailer kind of showed that uh, we see a guy kind of waking up. It looks like he's in a band or something. And uh, he's just done some drugs and hooked up with a chick. And then he's like, here's some noise. And he goes looking for her. And, uh, in Walking Dead fashion, finds a lot of gore and horror uh, along the way. I do have one concern about it, is that uh, they're making it about the zombies. And if you watch The Walking Dead, and if you, especially if you've read the comics, there's a foreword in it about how it's not about zombies at all. It's a story about uh, Rick and Carl and how they deal with each other and, and other people. And that, to me, is why The Walking Dead is so wildly successful. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I, I hope that they do the right thing with Fear of the Walking Dead, and all I've heard is about how the zombies are different and how the makeup approach is different, and I think they, they're they putting all the focus in the wrong place. I mean, go ahead. I did get spit on, so I didn't know if it was oh, my sorry. turn. Oh, <laughs> ah, There we go. Thank you. Excellent. Um, I've been up to a lot of things, but I've most been watching... Um, I have this really weird love for the show Hard Knocks on HBO, uh, it's the football show. It's the documentary show about football. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm like, wait, Hard Knocks? <laughs> it's like a Hard Knocks yeah. for <laughs> me. Um, it's actually, this year they're following the uh, Houston Texans, and I just, I love docs about sports, so I've been watching that. And I've also watching uh, BoJack Horseman. Oh, BoJack is good. Um, which, I, it's so great to watch those two back-to-back, because <laughs> you're watching, like, these, like, J.J. Watt, who's lifting a thousand-pound truck tire. And you watch Bojack steal the D from the Hollywood sign. Right. <laughs> it's such a great, like, this is my life. I am on the opposite ends of the spectrum where I'm both this nerdy asshole and also this sports-loving guy. 
Um, what is the focus of the show? Is it about the players as they're training? It is. It's about spring. It's about basically the summer camp prior to the start of football season, mm-hmm. and it's all about basically just these players trying to get chemistry and be a team together. And I just I enjoy that aspect because it's really interesting to see grown men who are essentially acting like children um, about the fact that they don't get to play a sport that they're lucky enough to get paid millions of dollars for. Yeah. Um, for me, it's it's just interesting to watch like players like J.J. Watt who try to put this persona out there like I'm I'm an everyman. I live in a cabin out in the woods. It's just simple, nothing nothing fancy. And then they show the cabin in the woods, and it's like 16 rooms, has four bathrooms, <laughs> an 82 inch screen TV, has a sauna. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I feel really like you're you're simple, all right. You're cutting your own wood. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's very interesting to me because I, I always enjoy watching the behind the scenes of like the the almost ironic view of of these guys who think like. Yeah, I'm simple, and then you're driving a fucking Ferrari. Like, yeah. screw you, it's man. It's a simple Ferrari. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's not it's not the Enzo. Yeah. It's just a four five eight, which only costs a quarter of a million dollars. I mean, you know? The rear view camera is an SD. It didn't need to be an HD. It could have been, but he decided Swam to go for the SD a. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's where my life has been. It's been switching back and forth between ironic football and ironic Hollywood. All right, so we're going to get started with the movie for today, uh, which is Birdman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Nailed it. Not um, innocence, as a lot of people misspeak. Yep. <laughs> I was convinced I was going to say something wrong, because yeah. I keep doing that every time I try to say it. But it's like, the whole time I've been awake this morning, which hasn't been long. Okay. Um, Who is it directed by, Brian? Uh, the director. <laughs> Alejandro. Oh, Alejandro. Alejandro. In our right, too. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's Alejandro <laughs> Gonzalez. In your retail? In your retail? That sounds as American as possible. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. I don't think he'd be like, fuck you, at that pronunciation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the review for today comes from Metacritic Reviews, user reviews. This person, uh, I think, is a little harsher on it than Tony will be, because I know at least he likes a majority of the movie. But this one comes from Jamie5478. Jamie, I'm assuming, is a girl, because she spells it kind of a girl way. Um, and if not, if not, I'm a little mean to the guy who spells his name a little bit of a girl way. Uh, <laughs> Either way, so uh, Jamie wrote this review in February, February, uh, and here we go. What the? I want my money back! Went to the cinema with a few of my friends who are all big film phonetics, and we <laughs> wanted to walk out. What has this day and age come to for people to actually like this load of artsy rubbish? <laughs> I like how you read it in like an accent that made him sound even more like he has a monocle inside it. What the? Monocle falls out into the ground. What? <laughs> My word! My word, good sir. I do it uh, this, as soon as I read that, I was just like, went to the cinema. <laughs> Wait, is that the end? He doesn't have any more opinions? No, that's it. Just oh. artsy rubbish. Oh, all right. I see rubbish. I yeah, I, I can yeah, kind of get it. I kind of agree too. To a, a degree. There's an artsy rubbish but it's in there. So well executed. I violently disagree, and I even to a degree agree with you on the ending. But we're not there yet. We're Wait, who do you violently yet. disagree with? That woman. I think the movie's phenomenal. Okay. Mm. And even with that, I I think it is one of the most flawed, phenomenal movies in a long time. Yeah. Sure. Um, but I think that's fine. I think good movies should have flaws. Because if they're perfect, fuck off. Honestly. All movies have flaws. They do. Uh, clearly, you have not seen... I don't even have one loaded. Uh, <laughs> 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 the Kingsman or, or something else. I was going to go with, like, uh, Gone with the Wind, like, just some, like, instant classic. But then you have the whole, like, 
Oh yeah, he raped her at one point, and she's just totally cool with it. <laughs> I'm gonna, ma- I'm gonna make a new dress. <laughs> is that a movie flaw yeah. or a character flaw? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little column A, a little column B. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, you, you can cut that out. Yeah, you should really cut that out. Uh, no, you should leave it in now with all our groans. No, uh, <laughs> I'll believe it. I, I, I wish <laughs> yeah. with the groans. Yeah, yeah I'll believe it and then put the groans. <laughs> I love the bleep. I feel like I get cut. only one other person. It's Tony's corner. <laughs> so many of my comments get cut out anytime I talk about. <laughs> anytime I talk about. <laughs> about. About how. You know, all this shit Holy gets cut out. Shit. It's gonna be. It's so, boy, all the way. I'm gonna so, go nuts with that bleep on that one. <laughs> this whole part. Uh, yeah. Thank okay. you for listening to 30 seconds of 1K Tone. <laughs> Uh, okay, so this movie cost uh, 18 million, which I still think is impressive for the amount of stuff they pulled off for 18 million, oh, especially yeah, yeah. given the camera techniques and all that sort of stuff. I was going to say, with the cast alone, that's impressive they pulled that off. Um, but you know that the cast all took hits, so they could probably yeah, the Absolutely. Theater. Yeah. And then it made worldwide 103, which I still think is f- huge for. Yeah. Uh, as Jamie would say, artsy rubbish. Because <laughs> yeah. no matter how much I love this movie, and I do love this movie, hell, if you look back uh, in our podcast to our year review, this one won uh, Best Film for the year. For all of that together, still getting $103 million, I think, is kind of almost weird. Like, that's a huge take for yeah. a movie that was... For this type of movie. For this type of movie. I think it's going to go on. I think this movie has a lot of rewatchability. I think it's going to be a DVD cult movie. I think this is going to be one of the few movies that we've had in a very long time that will stand the test of time, even in its controversial ending and like divisive nature. Mm -hmm. But I think that's partially why it will stand, Mm -hmm. because it it really sparks a conversation, um, which we should get started on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to do so, Cody here... Gee. Good old Cody. Fuck. Gets to do the breakdown. Oh, man. Breakdown! breakdown. <laughs> I feel like you guys need a theme song for the breakdown. That's that was the theme song. That works. Yeah, he, he got it. Nailed uh, it. I think and you need a better theme song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so while we work on that, Cody can work on this breakdown, which he gets 30 seconds to do. All right. So uh, there's a character played by Michael Keaton, Regan, who is trying to put together a play on Broadway. And he is terribly uh, having a terrible time with his actors because the actor that he does have is really shitty. He wants to get a new one. He ends up getting this twist of fate by a light falling on the actor's head. And that in turn turns to Edward Norton. And I'm not going to be able to finish this fucking thing. No, I'm bag. like, you just wasted half your time I on the first scene of the movie. I wasted half my time on the first scene of the fucking movie. Yeah, you, for, you forgot about his underwear. <laughs> you forgot about his underwear and the fucking... Uh, yeah. yeah and man boobs. Yeah, wow. That was... Uh... Hey, man. <laughs> you know how to woke up a little bit earlier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the good news is is that I always kind of struggle coming up with my good insults, yeah. which I, I, I love my insults. He doesn't have to struggle with me, though. Um, he knows me, too. No, with you, it's going to be very easy this week. Uh, that was the worst anyone has ever done. Yes! <laughs> you know what? I got, like, halfway through my first movie, <laughs> at least. People now know... What the first scene of the movie is, <laughs> yeah, and yep. nothing else about the movie. <laughs> it's all that matters. <laughs> yes, yeah, in a movie like this, that's definitely all that matters. All that matters. Uh, for the sake of people who might not have seen the movie, I will just do a very quick finish because, as I said, with my insult for the week, 
That was the worst anyone has ever done. Hey, man. I um, like being last. You gotta so. set the bar somewhere. You know? Yeah, you That's do. what's important. Gives me confidence yeah. for the it's all, you know, it's future all, uh, podcast. It's all up here. It's all up here. Yeah. So essentially, uh, he got it right. So the beginning of the movie is that he wants to build a play. Uh, there's the beginning. That's mm-hmm. all you had to say. Uh, <laughs> Damn it. You can't, you can't not talk about who Michael Keaton is in the movie. Then. That's oh. true. So Michael yeah. Keaton is kind of a washed up film star um, who used to do things back in the 90s. He's basically Michael Keaton in a way. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. Um, and he was an action star. Yeah. Birdman was his movie, a superhero. Yeah. Yeah. Um But anyway, so he does that, and he makes a play, and then he eventually, he fires his first actor. What well, doesn't fire? He, uh, he my, fires him in a way. He, the first actor <laughs> leaves the show, yep. um, and then he brings in um, Edward Norton, who plays uh, Michael Shiner, and they basically do not get along because he's such an actor, and he's not a very good director, and he can't get a wrangle on his actor, and he kind of goes back and basically forth. Basically, the, uh, the old fight of method versus classic. Yeah. And from what I hear, is a little uh, meta as well, is that not? Uh, a little. Yeah. Um, uh, but then, so as the, the show goes on, basically, uh, he kind of deteriorates as he's kind of going nuts trying to make this thing work because people keep pushing him so hard, as especially as Broadway actors do, and he just was not prepared for this at all. And it's uh, you kind of see him just struggle the whole time with the fact that all he really wants is love, but he's not getting it because what he's going for is admiration, and he's just looking for love in the wrong places. And it's like you basically see that unfold throughout the entire film to the point where he realizes that he's fucked everything up and attempts to kill himself on stage. Uh, and I'm just saying what's on screen, we can talk about what we infer later. Yeah. So attempts to kill himself on stage, wakes up having only blown his nose off, uh, and found out that by doing that in front of a live studio audience, or live audience, wasn't a studio, uh, everyone goes, he's amazing, and they love him, and it's great, and then he jumps out a window. Yeah. And that's what you see on screen. I want to get this one out of the door. I want to talk about the filmmaking technique of this thing, because it is such a important way to how you watch this film absolutely yeah. if, uh, if it was my turn today to to break down the movie i <coughs> said an amazing director with a vision uh hires a steady cam operator and rents out a theater <laughs> for two weeks and pulls it off with and brings yeah. back michael, michael keaton's acting career uh gets one of the best performances i've seen out of emma stone mm-hmm. uh you know i think ed norton is perfect in the role he's in the, the whole cast is great yeah and it's uh it's one of the things where like just I mean, just the the camera technique alone really it's like a, it's it does a good job making the theater itself like an additional character. Yeah, yeah, I, I and, it, and it follows the principles of theater too, which yeah, yeah. immediately hooked me from the beginning because the the sparse musical cues, the 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 gaps between dramatic moments, mm-hmm. that whole thing theater, and it's the probably the best they've ever gone they've ever done translating a theater experience into a movie right yeah i mean and i i, I haven't really done theater since really since the very beginning of college is when i kind of yeah. left the mm-hmm. theater world behind and like this i mean i only did like local theater kind of bullshit like i was in carousel like it was like yeah i was we a don't chorus have, member in carousel we don't have theater pedigrees but yeah i also know a lot of theater majors and yeah i think yeah i've studied that, that, that yeah usually if you're in film you yeah. kind of know somewhere right. somewhere somebody in the theater world yeah and like this for my buck is the best movie about theater ever made yeah like it nails the people the atmosphere the, the feeling the feeling that Stress. desperation yeah. like yeah. Of, i want to be the best ever like it, it nails all of that and i think Personally, I think the main reason that they're able to pull that off is how they shot it. Yeah. And it, they did some amazing things. I was reading about it today. Uh, they actually... So the theater was not available the entire time. So they actually rented a warehouse in L.A. and taped out the lines and the markings of the spatial 
uh, relationship in the in the theater, so that they could rehearse basically in typed lines with sparse uh, taped lines with sparse furniture, so that they could get all their actions down, including the Steadicam operator. At at one point, came in there. It's impressive that uh, the director uh, was he really wanted because he's like you know in theater like one of the big things about theater is that the script is king, and he's yeah. like you know I I want to honor that as much as I can, but you can't bring these actors and not allow for a little bit of improv, like improv, which was important to both Michael Keaton and Edward Norton. Like, mm-hmm. like we want to be able to do kind of what feels right in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he had to bring the Steadicam operator in to all the rehearsals. Because, like, it's fine, but we're going to rehearse that. And right. whatever you do in the improv, like, in the rehearsal that works, that's what you have to do when we actually do the take. It's, a, it's an amazing way to make film. And as a film crew member, I really wish that everybody had, like, this uh, method down of just rehearsing until you nail it and then executing a flawless performance yeah because i mean the way that he had to do this like they say like any filmmaker like be a short amateur to professional if you want to do it right you have to imagine all areas of making the film in the beginning so that's like from very very pre-production to production to post-production you have to know what you're doing at every single stage if you want to make a good film and a lot of people don't and most people and it shows like all the preparation you do in the beginning all that beginning work the more you do there the more it shows in the end product Yeah. yeah and this one like yeah is this be it whether or not you agree that the ending or all that sort of stuff is good in the movie, you cannot deny that like the execution was damn near flawless. Yeah, oh, it was perfect. Yeah, I complete that. That's the and one even, reason and, I love most of this movie. Yeah, it's it's a unique way of telling the story where everything flows and seems seamless, even though it's not. But it right. has that feeling of seamlessness. Well, we should get that out of the way that even though this isn't truly a one take, like they did a lot of piecing together. Right, that doesn't matter. I honestly don't care about it being stitched. The end result is what is well, no. so like for me. That's what catch caught. Yeah, if it, you're paying attention, you could tell where it's stitched, but it's never a, like an obvious jump. It's great because even though it is stitched together, there's some really imaginative transitions. Yeah. yeah, That like play with space and time in such a way that, you know, I know what's going on there, yeah. but I'm, I love it. I do too. The yeah. way they pan over to see one character and then they pan back new characters there, and it's yeah. a jump and they in use time. It, they use it to t- like to speed up time. Yeah. and play yeah. with time, and it's just like. It's so great. Like, theater does that, too, where they just shift things over. Now it's different. We're in a yeah. different time. They have We're to. in a different space. Yeah. They have to as part of the format, but the, this movie does it in a way that's like... I think they wanted to, to capture it. that. Yeah, they mimicked yeah. it. They wanted to make that... That fucking move like, from uh, Emma Stone's uh, cell phone to the bar, where they just settle on the phone, and then it pulls out, and now it's a TV screen, and they're yeah. at the bar. Like, that was such a great fucking move. Like, I love that. And even though it's, like, very, like, obvious, it's like, wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's a cool it, thing to think through. Yeah, it's a cool thing of like, yeah, they still didn't, they didn't break the stream of the non-edit. Like that was really fucking impressive. But I think that's part of the thing. Like, so why <laughs> I know people who are not big film buffs still like this movie is because it's a good movie. But why film buffs are just like, holy shit! Like, yeah. you pulled that off. Um, and I know that was the scariest thing for the director Alejandro as well. Yeah. going into it, like, big names told him he would never be able to do it. And the biggest reason why the studio and everyone told me wouldn't be able to do it was because of Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. which is where I want to move into next. All right, um, cool. Because he was told flat out, you need somebody else. He can't open movies anymore. Wow. And it's like, but isn't that why it's a perfect cast then? Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> He is that character. Yeah. yeah. And they, I actually, like unwittingly played into the meta story of the movie. Like, yeah. I read an interview with him and he, the first meeting he had after reading the script with the director was like, you're not making fun of me, are you? <laughs> he, he actually said like he, he had to make sure that the script wasn't written about him before he took on the role. Yeah, that's him. He washed up superhero actor from the eighties. Yeah. yeah, 
it's funny that uh, one of the plot points of the movie is that Michael Keaton gets a little jealous of Ed Norton stealing his play. As people actually started saying Ed Norton almost stole the movie as well. Yeah, the thing is, like, again, no, I'm kind of about Michael Keaton. Is I like that he's so annoyed with Edward Norton yeah. for stealing the play when he should be annoyed with him for kind of stealing his daughter. Right? Yeah. And like it, it's and that's it's all drives home the point of Michael Keaton's character in this movie yeah. and the the fucking subtitle. Yeah. Like that's and I think that's why like the first time I saw it I never really picked up on it and I don't know why. What I I was so kind of blown away just by like the filmmaking aspect of it that it took me till my second view where I was just like holy shit like I really love that the entire character is just him going love me. Mm-hmm. And just doing it the worst way possible, like almost like an addict, like just the worst way. Oh, the movie definitely has a lot of tones of addiction. Yeah, and it, and like I mean, it's a little on the nose with Emma Stone's character, but right. with him, they don't really ever talk about it. But it is totally he is addicted to but fame, I think that's, and yeah. he's been within withdrawal. I yeah. think that's great that they put it, like make her the one that's on the nose because it really kind of is a, a faint. Like yep, you're, yeah. You're like, oh wow, obviously she's an addict, and then you're like, well, well, wait a minute. Don't forget that that's genetic. That's yeah, genetic, <laughs> and we've been watching a whole different kind of addictive personality. Well, they and bring up the uh, the alcohol addiction for Michael Keaton. Yeah. But, but, even, but even it's deeper than that, even like. Oh, it's way deeper than yeah, that. But yeah. at the same time, like I could have done without that part of it too. I was kind of fine with it because that felt like something that. Uh, it's like everything else in his life. It's something that he just ignored and assumed wasn't a problem. He ignored everything that w- that should have been a problem as like a non-issue and focused on the wrong things. So the fact that his drinking had something to do with ruining his life, he just assumed wasn't a problem. Never really even addressed it. So she's, like at that moment where Amy Ryan's like, who I think is kind of the unsung best actor in the movie. Um, <laughs> she's always the best actor in every movie. It's very almost, true. Yeah. Um, but that moment she's like, are you drinking? And he's like, yeah, I'm having a beer. Because to him it's a non-issue. Right. And I think that's really important. So I get that, like, yeah, it's a little kind of like, oh, he's an addict. But I, I like that, because that just keeps feeding into that character. If he does not know yeah. what the fuck is going on and his effect on people. And don't forget how that ties back in him, how controlling he is of his own play when he uh, replaces uh, Ed Norton's gin. Oh, yeah. So he's like, oh, I don't have a drinking problem, but I'm going to stop your drinking problem. Yeah. Oh, man, like, that's... I really love this character, and I, I think, again, I, I'll keep blowing this movie as much as I can. Um, <laughs> can but I be I, next? <laughs> <laughs> you really don't want to be. Um, uh, but I think that his character is the main reason the movie works as well as it does, because it, it is, like, when it says Birdman, it is really just about him. Yeah. Um, but talking a little bit more, like, in depth about his character, I want to talk about Birdman, his alter ego, and whether or not we think he has the actual Birdman powers, because oh. I... Yeah, that voice is amazing too. I just yeah. want to say, like, I love the way this movie doesn't really affect the voiceover in his head, but it, it lets you know by putting it up front and a little bit louder than all the dialogue that it's the voice in his head. Oh, absolutely. And I love, I love the the physical manifestation. We we get to see that of his delusion. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's all fake, but like, I love that we can see it from his point of view because mm-hmm. it's not a very represented area when you're watching film. Yeah, and and, and in this way, it it captures it like when you get lost in yourself so you you, you think it's all fake you're one of those people <laughs> yeah. I, I tend to agree with john yeah. I, I think uh but i, I think, love it because it's all I fake. Think the like, cab scene kind the of cab scene. yeah the cab scene really is and plus and then we'll, 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 we'll get on to that later but that, we have that, a whole on fact, arsenal on top that's of a fact. callback to the edit though right the editing in time and space being so fascinating right. for me because yeah, it's like cab 
But Holy on top shit. of all that, though, I think if you're buying into that supernatural aspect throughout, the whole story is grounded in people, and that's where the supernatural aspect is there to kind of balance that out. Because as Brian said, the script is king in this entire thing, and if you look at these people, have these ludicrous monologues that they speak back and forth to each other that no one in real life would ever let happen. Right. You would cut somebody off halfway through. Especially and that Emma Stone one. That thing's yeah. fucking brutal. That thing is ridiculous. <laughs> and if that was my daughter, and I, I would... You know, that, that just coming from her would just be vicious. Um, but I'm just, I don't know, the way that I saw it was that this was this supernatural power that's coming from his own psychosis. And as you watch, it gets more powerful to the point where he's flying. And mm-hmm. that's the point where he's really gone off the fucking rails. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the growth of, you can see him losing control of basically his life, his show. He's basically trying to be this controlling director. And he's not really connecting to the reality anymore. The fact that sometimes you don't have control of what goes on on the stage when you're on the stage with it. You just live that life for that second and then try to cure it for the next show. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why I like the ending. Because the delusion passes on. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, like, it, it, it's ob- like, if you take it as all that is, like the flying, all that, it's all fake. Yeah. He jumped, he died. Yeah. Right. But then she refuses to accept it. It's like a very interesting... She's going to go down that path, too. Like, I don't see her getting oh, yeah. better. She's already down but, that path. She's already wanna, down that path, but now she... I want to yeah. save the ending for yeah, the yeah. ending, because yeah. that, that, that's a whole different discussion. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, uh, that's a, it's a great tie to that. Yes. Yeah. Which uh. is why, you know, I think it's all like, fake in his head. And I love what you were saying about it just get, like, it getting more powerful mm-hmm. the, the less in control of himself he is. Right. And the manifestation of what he's doing, it starts with him just being able to move objects just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then it turns into full-on rage where he just smashes objects. And then it turns into like this, like something beyond that. Well, yeah, he just, uh, I mean, the more he feels ignored, the bigger he wants to be. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, and I think that's part of why his character is such like a tragic but um, really interesting character. Because the more he feels ignored, the more the bigger he wants to be. When he does not realize until really the end of the movie, that he's had what he's wanted the whole fucking time. His daughter just wants to spend time with him and just wants him to be there. She mm-hmm. even says at one point the biggest thing he ever did was, the worst thing he ever did was he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So all she wants is her dad. Amy Ryan would have never left the picture if he wasn't such an, a such a drunk and an asshole and more concerned with fame than he was with her because she still loves him. Yeah. And it's very obvious she still loves him. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of sad that like all he wants is to be loved and he just did not know what he was doing. Right. Well, not only that, like, throughout the entire movie, and even his play, everyone, everyone knows who he is. Yeah. And everyone, like, people are taking pictures with him in the bar, he's walking yeah. through the street. Oh, look, it's Reagan! Half yeah. naked, and he gets 350, <clears throat> like, people love him, he's so obsessed with what he wants to be, and is ignoring everything that is the reality of Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he can't he, see the present, he can only see what, and it's... it's Every character in the movie is that same way. Yeah. yeah. So they keep looking at the... It's so tragic. It is. Like, you can't see it, even if you, like, you just don't have that ability. Well, they harken back to that a lot, too, with saying, Zach Galifianakis is going, yeah, you can totally do Birdman again. You can go back and do Birdman. They want you back for Birdman. Why aren't you just going to go do Birdman? Right. It's like, he wants to step beyond what he thinks the role of his life is and trying to step into something completely different that no one expects from him. And he's trying to do the same thing with all his family. He's trying yeah. to get all these people to see him in a different light by doing something incredibly different. But he's not doing anything different. He's doing exactly the same thing, and it's slowly chipping away at his brain. And it's a, it's a good, you know, as, as an aside, it's a good movie to watch if you want to know why like certain you know nerd celebrities or people who've done shows in the past don't necessarily like to go to the conventions or are a little bit hesitant to embrace what they did before. Right. Because there's a sense of, like, is this it? Is this all I am? Mm-hmm. It, there's a really weird, biting, like, 
thing in the back of your mind. It also and, does a really good job showing uh, why some of your favorite star, stars from the 80s are kind of nutbags now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but we should move on to some other people in this thing. I want to move on to the other person of the spectrum, which is Edward Norton. Mm-hmm. Oh, my um, God. And I would honestly say, I mean, this is a bold claim for his career. I think this is the best performance. And that's coming from a guy who's had nothing but almost amazing performances in damn near every movie he's been in. Yeah, yeah. From Fight Club, American History X, like... Even his turn on Moonrise Kingdom is so just yeah. enthusiastic. Primal just, Fear. Yeah, 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 Primal Fear. Like, he's done nothing but, like... I, I mean, I say it a lot, like, with people that I really enjoy, but I think he's one of the best actors working today. And it's a tough person to combat against. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not saying he's the best, but definitely one of. Well, I would and, say that, you know, to, that, to his credit, uh, movies like Primal Fear and Fight Club, he kind of got the direction of be this outlandish character. You're going to yeah. make this crazy turn. You're going to do all these, like, uh, crazy, energetic acting performances. And and this, it's kind of like, uh, all right, Edward Norton, you have to act like an actor. Go. And it's kind of like a little close to home, and he doesn't get to, like, take the departure. So he has to, like, keep but, himself in there. And I, I agree with you. It's a little bit harder to pull off. Yeah. And the thing is, is, like, and I'll talk about Naomi Watts after this thing very briefly. Is These are the two big ones we have to talk about, and then kind of Emma Stone. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I think he does the best, and honestly what Naomi Watts does the best throughout the movie um, and actually, Michael Keaton did this too good, but like the, I think the two were these two, is they did such a great job making a very believable character off stage, and still seem like a good actor on stage. Yeah. But it's two completely different personas, and that's where like Michael Keaton didn't do it quite as much because he's not supposed to be a great actor on stage. Mm-hmm. So he did a kind of a good job being kind of a shitty actor, which he is did. tough to do. Yeah. There's a very interesting compare contrast between those two characters in the movie yeah but the thing is i think it's easier to pretend to be a bad actor on stage than to pretend to be a good actor who's also not you and that's why i think naomi watts and edward norton knocked it out of the park because when edward norton's on stage he's still a good actor but he's not the same character he is off stage yeah and the fact that he's able to do that i think was amazing yeah he's perfect for that role in that yeah Yeah. it was really really impressive because usually you expect him like i'm acting now it's like oh so he seems like a shitty actor he's like no he still seemed like a good broadway actor yeah it was there's that scene where they're where keaton and norton are trying to do that that scene together his audition his audition yeah and he's just coming in strong with with direction he's directing he's stealing it and then he's in the role and it's like wow there's two different styles at play here. Yeah. And it's like kind of the culmination of what you just said. Yeah. I, I think that's the best scene in the movie, by the way. Oh, by far. Yeah. By far the best scene in the movie. Yeah. It's my, it's my, yeah, it's my yeah. favorite. That's I watched it and I was like, damn. Yeah, I had to pause yeah. and just yeah. be like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. It was, oh, man, it's a good movie. I, think, I also think, uh, I know Michael, it, you know, the movie is basically about Michael Keaton's character, but I think um, Edward Norton's character is the best character in the movie. Mm-hmm. My favorite character in the movie, only because... I, I disagree because of all the, the complexities of Michael Keaton, but I would give you a very close... Very close second. Well, very I, I, close second. I think the reason is, everyone in this movie is kind of... They're kind of fake in a way. They're, they're, you know, they're all wanting to be something and not really paying attention to what they are. Mm-hmm. Edward Norton is the same way, but he's the only character that realizes that's the way he is. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he's like, yeah, I, I bullshit, but... That's what I do. Like he, he's aware of himself. No other character is aware of. Like, you know, Naomi, Naomi Watts' character is not aware of who she is. Edward, or, sorry, Michael Keaton's isn't. Emma Stone's really not really. I'd argue Zach Galifianakis does. Yeah, he's pretty well aware. I mean, mm-hmm. you can you can prove Naomi Watts simply by the fact that when she was doing her unchange or changing, and she didn't even know that Emma Stone's character was there. Yeah, that's clear proof from the script even that mm-hmm. she is completely unaware of any of her surroundings at any yeah. time. 
Um, but I think Zach Galifianakis is really, his character is fairly aware of everything that's going on at all times because he's trying to steer this boat that's going into the rocks. True, but he, he has a, he's a very straight character. He, he's, yeah. He's not as outlandish as everybody else. No, he's, he's but that it's a bank, guy. It's a, it's a bankless role, but, you know, you need someone like him pulling it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I he, think he was the weakest part. Talent. I don't think he was that good in it. I think he was. I, I think, think he was too. Ca- I think he was too charactery. When, when he watched, he was, he was trying to be too charactery. All of them yeah. charactery, though. That's the thing, though. I, just, I get they, that, they but totally are. the whole thing the is problem, a dimension like, of character. What always I, tends to turn me off with Zach's performance is that they're always outlandish. He's always kind of pushed into these outlandish roles, and he has to kind of jump off the rails the second word he says. Yeah. And the restraint in here was so, like, skilled. But yeah. he still felt like he was acting, and that's what bothered me. It didn't because he didn't he's the only like one that wasn't an actor in this whole fucking play. He didn't feel like that to me. I I did not. Either like way, it. so Edward Norton. Okay. Um, <laughs> I wasn't even gonna really bring up Zach Galifianakis because he because doesn't... he's forgettable. Anyway, continue. I wouldn't say forgettable, but he's he's the only one who doesn't really have like an arc or anything like that. Right. The thing that's I was gonna say about Edward Norton is that usually in like a film like this, which is very much like a character study, you'd expect really the only person to have an arc would be the main character. Edward Norton has an arc, Emma Stone has an arc, yeah. and like all three of them really do. And Naomi Watts doesn't really, but I think both of those girls do. You think so? Yeah, I think I, I think, think maybe a little. Bit. I, think I forget. Yeah, a little bit his more. girlfriend like definitely achieve, does. Girlfriend. Oh yeah, 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 no, you're right. Yeah, they, they, both, they yeah. achieve their catharsis in a kind of a, yeah. their own specific way. Yeah. Like, um, but I love that Edward Norton's arc. Really, he is totally aware that it's not going to change anything about him. Yeah, but I like that he realizes that. I don't think until this moment. He fully understood that his actions have consequences on other people than himself. Yeah. Hmm. What moment? Uh, really, when he fucked him over and took his story, that the reason he became an actor and he used it because he just didn't want to come up with a real answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he just used Regan Thompson's, like, why'd you become an actor? He's like, uh, and he used the exact same about Raymond Carver right. being in his play, and he used the whole story. Yeah. And he just figured it wasn't a big deal because who the fuck cares? And then he actually saw that it really upset somebody, and he punched him, and he's like, yeah, I deserved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it, I, like I said, I don't think I don't think it'll ever change him. I just right. think it was the first time he noticed yeah. that his actions have consequences on people other than himself. And then also, if you look at it, each time that he gets some physical violence done towards him is when he wakes up out of that idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, shit, because when Naomi Watts was beating the shit out of him underneath the sheets, when he's like, "Oh, she's just fucking real life on the theater, yeah, like on the stage," um, she starts beating the shit out of him, and you can see him switch back and forth between the character and the person that he's playing. The character, yeah, yeah. And it's it's very. It's very interesting to watch him kind of switch to the name because he's like, oh, fuck, I really did something stupid there, didn't I? Yeah, well. The, re- the reason I'm against that theory is because I think Edward Norton's actions only bring about good things. Backwards, you know, in a backwards way, but like him on the roof with Emma Stone, you know, calling her special, kind of opened Emma Stone's eyes. Him doing that shit about Riggins, open, you know, made Riggins more passionate. Him sleeping with Emma Stone kind of, I mean, inadvertently caused the whole mishap where he was walking through Times Square mm-hmm. yeah. and becomes relevant again. Yeah. In in the blink of an eye, 350,000 views. Like, his actions kind of, while they are negatively, like, to the characters, invoke well, positive not, outcomes. That's interesting. But it is, yeah, it's true. But is it a positive outcome, though? <coughs> totally <laughs> positive outcome. But in the end, all those actions then lead to... Our fair ending. Yeah, but I don't think be, it has anything to no, do with that's, Edward Norton. Those the those characters' decisions. That was not Edward Norton set up the deck and they dealt with it how they wanted to mm-hmm. deal with it. Like, Naomi Watts when he tr- tries dropped, to fuck her on the got the plague. Naomi Watts, she storms off after that and has that moment with the other female yeah. actress. I wish I knew yeah. her name. Um, 
I think that's a good moment to actually talk about. I'm going to watch for a second before we talk about MS Jones. <coughs> in, you know, in constant effort to keep moving this podcast forward. Yes. Um, Naomi Watts, I didn't know it was in the movie because I never watched a trailer for this thing. Mm-hmm. I had seen, like, the photo of, like, Edward Norton in his underwear, like, getting ready to box uh, Michael Keaton. That's all I knew about the movie going into it. Right. Um, and that there is probably a guy in a superhero suit called Birdman. Um, <laughs> Even with the trailer, like, that's not a Naomi Watts, is it? No, it's probably someone else. Yeah. Um, like, oh, it is. She has a little bit of Wahlberg syndrome of when she has a good director, she gives an amazing performance. And I think this is, again, kind of in low with a lot of other people in the movie, I think it's one of her best performances. And I think she shines more when she's in like more of a supporting character because mm-hmm. I think that she can kind of run with it more and I think she likes it more. I don't know why I think that. I don't know her personally. Some actors you just get that sense of. Yeah, yeah. and it's just whenever she's in a more of a supporting character, I think she does a better performance because I think she feels... She's she not carrying the movie, so she feels a little bit more free. Yeah. And a, it seems I mean, like she makes bolder choices. I think, Honestly, yeah. I think Ed Norton does that too. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say Ed Norton. Yeah. Brad Pitt. Yeah. 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 I, I think when you're handed something like this, there's a certain aspect of her acting ability that comes out better when she has a chance to just actually act as opposed yeah. to acting against a green screen or acting mm-hmm. with a million dollar budget behind yeah. I think there's a every actor kind of knows the division between art and commerce and they like to play the both sides totally. they have yeah. to and when Naomi Watts shows up for the art movies she's usually fin- just fantastic yeah and she was very very good in this movie I, I loved like I said earlier I loved that her her switch between uh actor and then performer like throughout the movie so yeah. when she's on stage it's such a different person than when she's off stage and I love all three of them do it really well. yeah, four of them yeah. yeah really really well and I think uh, I, I'm not sure if she did the best out of everyone it might have been Edward Norton but I, I, I really loved her turn in this like I, I, every yeah. time she has something oh else. my god I think, when, I think it's tough to kind of say one's like the best or least yeah, I, I, true, the, yes. I feel like everyone did a really great job of complimenting each other's roles and what they yeah. had to do in the movie yeah. in such a way that you get these like Lesser characters, but they're still feeding into the overall in such a great way. It's a movie that has a very strong main character that still pulls off the ensemble feel very well. Yeah. I think one of my favorite sequences in the movie is when Ed Norton tries to rape Naomi Watts under the sheets. Yeah. And then, so they're having that battle in in their own characters, mm-hmm. and then they get out of the sheets and they have to perform on stage. Yeah. And there's a great comedic relief moment there, and then... Uh, Gotta they, love boner jokes. I know, right? They go off stage... <laughs> And then they start fighting backstage again, and she's, like, wiping herself off, and they're, like, you know, going at it, and then they go back on stage as theater actors, and they're <laughs> smiling and bowing, and it's, like, that's another almost true-to-life theater experience. Very true-to-life yeah. theater experience. Sometimes you yeah. hate your co-stars, and you yeah. have to get up on stage and act anyway, and yeah. you nailed it. Yeah, that was a great sequence. Yeah. And she's just covered in blood the whole time. Yep. Um, going into, are we, are you, where do no, you want to go to? I was, was going to move on to something else i was gonna go more for the characters and the one thing that kind of drew me away because all the supporting characters are really really strong Mm -hmm. for a movie titled birdman we spend a lot of time with the other characters and that kind of felt weird to me because i didn't see how their stories on a personal level were really relevant to michael keaton's character as a whole and it, it felt weird yeah, i think you kind of set it yourself with the yeah, whole like the theater thing yeah. setting up the deck like all the characters were setting yeah. up the deck for right. Regan basically yeah. to make his choice his ultimate choice yeah. then they get character developments too i mean they don't only have interactions with michael keaton the whole movie yeah and i yeah. think if it if it wasn't for that i don't think it'd be a strong movie yeah if it was a movie that was like you know let's follow michael keaton with steadicam the entire time we wouldn't have liked it as much yeah. so what, what is the movie really about then well then it's still about that you just yeah it's just it, it's a world. It's an established world. It's yeah. still Michael Keaton's story. 
It's just that, as with any good thing, I mean, it's not just things happening to him. His right. actions have consequences that ripple out into other people's stories and There's lives. And like, not even Watson never been raped on stage or attempted to be raped on stage had he not ever hired Michael Shiner. So, like, it's, yeah, yeah. it's all ripple effect of... Yeah, but he's, Michael Shiner would never been hired if it wasn't for Naomi, Naomi Watts. That's true, but still, like I think, like it's it's all it's the theater world. It's whatever he does has actually. I get I get the ripple else. effect. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with it 100, percent but I understand there, that aspect well, I mean, of it. I think that the, the real aspect of it is um, it's a it's a French term. It's uh, the appel de vide, I think something. That's like that. not that. I don't know. It's Our one French listener is like, damn it, damn it, he got the wrong. The podcast is mad. That's not like I've been wrong. I am the worst. I'm like Paul Rudd and every man. But no, like there's this thing called it's basically it's this French term that means the call of the void, and it's basically the idea that people like to stand at high points in their lives and stare down and look back down. Mm-hmm. So like Emma Stone sitting at the top of the theater looking down, Michael Keaton standing on the building looking down. These you look, you stand up at the highest point you've ever been, and you look down at the world beneath you, and you see all the actions that you've caused, and that's your choice. Either you jump. Or you try to climb higher. And I think that's kind of this connection between all these characters is that. Where it's like they're all looking back at what was and looking down at all those past experiences as something to grow upon. But then when you hit that point where you can't grow anymore, you just kind of start to chip away at what the reality is of your what facing now. And it kind of becomes that that choices of where do you go? And then you kind of start interacting with other people's lives. And that aspect of Michael Keaton's character is just... Riggins is fucking up several people's lives at the same time, but he doesn't realize it because he's just trying to move himself forward. But he's doing everything he can to not look down. And right. Avoid, like, yeah. yeah. When he needs to. He needs to take that, that hard yeah. look. Right. And when he finally does is with that point where he leaps into the void and then flies mm-hmm. away. And then he sees what he can become and get to that height. Um, before we move into the ending here, I do want to mention uh, Emma Stone really, really quick. I'd like to be able to talk about other people in this movie because there's a lot to talk about in this thing, but we can't be here all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, the other actress's name, I believe, I was trying to look it up a second ago, I believe it is uh, Andrea Risenborough, mm-hmm. um, and she was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but Emma Stone needs to be mentioned because I feel like it's one of the few times where you have somebody who has not really proven her acting chops yet. And I don't mean that as anything against her, because everything she's been in, she's been good. She hasn't given a bad performance yet. She's not like, I'm not going to be able to come up with the name off the top of my head, but not like somebody who's like... Jennifer Lawrence. Oh my not, god. She won an Academy Award, you can't... <laughs> yeah, but she's also but, like, thrown out a bunch of crappy performances. That's true, but still, like, Emma Stone is not, and has not been... Either way. She's but, just not being, she's just not being given, given these movies. Right, she's not right. given a lot of these movies to really flex that yes. muscle. Yeah. Right. And this would be her first time really doing it. And I think she does a good job, and I think she does actually a great job, probably the best job she's ever done. But I still think it's tough to go toe-to-toe with these almost titans of acting. Like but, Michael and it's impressive that she does. Like, I think she does, yeah. You know what's the amazing uh, part of that is that she's the only character in the movie who's not an actor. That's true, yeah. She, I think she like was put in that role almost as the weakling. She's his daughter. She's not a peer. She's an underling to all of these characters. She's the assistant. And she that monologue she gives to Michael Keaton it's is so, is one of the best in the movie. It hurts. So like yeah, it hurts yeah. in a good way. Like you're just like ouch. Because um, she's right. Yeah, she is. But she's also right. I mean, that's a really kind of. I mean, I read the uh, the Raymond Carver story before this, and I was going to bring it up a whole bunch, and then I kind of realized it's not really worth it. Although it does parallel the movie a lot in really big ways. They did a good job with that. Um, that that speech 
is not verbatim by any means, but it is in that story. Oh, cool. And they give it to somebody else, and it's very updated and modernized and whatnot. Obviously, they're not talking about Facebook and Twitter right. when Raymond Carver. But, uh, <laughs> you mean he didn't see that coming? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Raymond Carter. Carter. Uh, uh, but that it's very much in there, and I love that moment for her, because it's... Because it's not just her talking to her dad. That is a moment where it, she can very... It's almost fourth wall breaking. Yeah. yeah. And it's a great moment of like, just fucking deal with your shit. Yeah. And before this movie, I kept saying, I need to see her in something huge. It's kind of like Jennifer well, Lawrence. Where she, it's like, I mean, she was in a Spider-Man, but she wasn't given anything to work with again. Exactly. And she was like, she was really good in Easy A. But yeah. It wasn't that great of a movie. Like, I right. wanted to see her in a great movie. Because I feel like... Uh, people thought that might have been Gangster Squad, and then no. Right. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I she was in that movie. Yeah. But, uh, she, oh. I heard she was I, really good in The Help, but she was... A, she was very good in The Help, but that was also like... That's kind of her... character, yeah. It's kind of like... Uh, this is a great breakout role for her. Yes. Yeah. And it's weird to say somebody who's been in multiple hundreds of millions of dollar movies needs yeah. a breakout role, but I honestly <laughs> feel like... It's this movie that makes me go, she'll stand the test of time. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to the ending of this thing. Uh... Now, this is a moment of contention for a lot of people. And before we get into it, I feel, in case you haven't read all the articles or whatnot, we should mention the original ending of the film. <laughs> I love it so much. There's <laughs> an original... I never actually... Oh, has anyone... Has anyone Wait, there's another ending besides there's, this? There's an original ending to this movie, which was supposed to be after he shot himself on the stage. Okay. It was going to cut to a different back room. And in that back room was going to be Johnny Depp. And in his head was going to be the voice from Pirates of the Caribbean. And it's going to be Johnny Depp putting on a play to yeah. redeem his character while thinking... That he has Captain Jack Sparrow in the back of his head. Yep. Really? What are we doing here, mate? <laughs> yeah, and that was going to be the end of the movie. That was? And, for real? Yeah. Yes. You know what? Why the fuck didn't they make that? Because that, that for me says two things. One, it says that the ending of the film, although I think is good, was kind of a, we're going to take a shot here and we'll tell people that's what we intended. Okay. And then... That the that had no idea how to end this film. Yeah. Like two things. That, that validates me. me. That so, much so much in my and opinion. I, I agree with them because if they don't have an idea for an ending, why the fuck do you make a movie? Like you shouldn't be putting that. On well, the then screen. no, they had an idea for an ending, but it was, it was, dumb. was a bad. It was a bad ending. Well, it was supposed to be yeah. cyclical. That yeah. Yeah. you're supposed to be right. saying like, oh, every actor in Hollywood goes through this. Well, yeah, yeah. When their blood spills but onto the stage, then it grows a new actor. I, I with think, the same issue. Yeah. Like this I is think, really I think it, even though it does, it is then proven to be a happy accident that they did. I feel like I appreciate to your. You know, looking down in the void aspect. Mm. I really appreciate that the ending kind of calls to I, that. I think yeah. they did a good job coming up with an ending. And I don't yeah. think it's a bad they were ending. Like, they wrote it I in production. feel like, yeah. when it comes to the ending, they, they, they have three endings to this movie, in my opinion. They kind of do, actually. Yeah, they do, definitely. Three ways that... The first two, I'm like... The first one happened when he when he jumps off the building mm-hmm. before he starts flying. Oh, he just killed himself. Yeah. That would have been a pretty decent ending. No, I disagree. No, that, that's no. the wrong moment. Yeah. It was the wrong moment. It was the wrong moment. Get that. So I'm like, okay, you're right. A lot of things are a little open-ended. So I'm like, oh, we'll right. keep going. When he shoots himself on the stage, that's, that's a great that's fucking, ending. fucking ending. That's and with them giving a round of applause, applause it sums then, up everything. Yeah, because he's, he's finally loved. He finally gets his love, yeah. And he spilled his in blood death. Yeah. But see, yeah, and then I, I like, like, it opens hmm. again, and I'm like... Fuck you, movie. See, I, 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 I'm I'm like that. Actually, when I went, you know what? I'm done. Fuck it. I'm out. <laughs> no, because I, th- yeah. I think the important thing is, is that, I mean, the whole point of the movie is that he's not a bad guy. Yeah. No. He makes bad decisions. And if he had just made the bad decision, I don't think that it gets a point. That, the whole point of the movie, which is that he wants to love his family. And I'd like to see him, and I agree with the director, we want to see him realize that he did everything wrong. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until he did that and got the admiration that he'd been accidentally going for the whole movie that he realized he did it wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that is such an important turn to this character and this movie, they needed the extra scene. 
Yeah, I get that. I, th I think then the choice to jump out the window the second time, it really nailed the movie. Yeah. It, what it, do you it think adds, about... It adds, it adds a punctuation that I think was important. Well, it what do you adds, think of, uh... we don't know what we're doing to a movie. No, I, no it what... doesn't. I think just it the totally fact that does. he jumps out of the window, I mean, I just ignore the fact that so there's two, looked there's up. two parts yeah. of the ending. Yeah, we got to talk about those two yeah, different right. Things. So it's the fact that he jumps out the window, right. and then either you believe that he died and that his daughter might be a little bit crazy, or that he actually was had the supernatural powers the whole time and now he's flying. I think he died. I think it was a clever so. button because we watch him through the entire movie uh, imagine his, him having powers and then kind of like being delusional about the people around him reacting to it. Like we see characters that are almost grounded in the movie reacting to his powers when he's using them yeah. in those scenes. So I almost think it was just a clever little button by the filmmaker to say he's going to continue doing this by a, in his head he's imagining Emma Stone looking at him flying but really he has just fallen to the ground. Well and I yeah. like that in that he gets his final release. Like he he's free. There's, yeah. there's, there's this kind of like with depression and mental Issues like that. You're never free. You're bogged down. You're trying yeah. to rise above it, and you can't. And the fact that he was able to finally fly is like his freedom. He already and flew. I, he already not to the, not, flew. Not to this end. He, he gave up. He kind of let it go. And I think at that moment when he let it go and just was done, mm -hmm. it was done. And I think she recognized that. Yeah, like when he So was... even though she sees him dead, like, you can't process that. Like, yeah. so then she just, like, kind of gave him what he needed. Like, I don't know, there was like kind of a, like, there's a spiritual element to that. Yeah, there there is. I think there definitely is a spiritual element to it. And I think, I think it's there. And I think that it's, sadly, I don't think it's because they pulled off this great ending. I think they got super lucky. Yeah. I don't I think they missed a mark. Here's the thing. Here's what, I thought of like a thousand different ways that would have made me like this type of ending. Well, you don't like open endings. Just I don't, period. No, no, I don't no. like, he does. Like I said, the gift I, was open-ended. The gift. The gift. No, he does not. No, no, no. The gift is open-ended, but it it works. This See, one. No, this one's kind of like a. I guarantee you, I'm gonna watch the gift and go. That's not an open ending at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It is because it's a clear cut. It could be one or it could be two possibilities. So that's still kind of clear cut. This one is kind infinite of. possibilities. That's the definition well, of open-ended. All right, open -ended. Here, here's how to make it better. <laughs> Lose the whole gunshot thing. Have him jump off the building, fly around, have this great opening. People love him. Whatever, and then you no no. Then you have this whole thing, and it could it could go into that again, and then you could debate: Did he die, and is this his like what he wanted everything to be, or did it actually happen? There's an open ending I'm okay with. Did he kill himself or did he not? Not with this whole. But it's 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 not open then. Then it's either or. That's not open. That is open. That it's is either definition. or. You have it's two options. Well, like you were saying about Inception. Inception is either he's in the dream world, yeah. he's not in the dream world. It either falls or it doesn't. That's the same idea that you're perpetuating here, where it's like you can't have an open ending. It, open ending literally means it is open to the realm. A closed ending is literally it could be this ending or it could be but this it, ending. There's there's choices. So as a filmmaker, yeah. uh, if we could interview Alejandro, he would he would have to have a definitive answer. He if, says he does, but he will never tell anyone because he said that ruins the whole point of the movie of I opening love discussion. That they do that. They also won't tell anyone how many edits there are. Yeah, but I think that's important because I think if we knew the ending of the film, it's yeah. kind of like. That's like, a story. That is a. That's the definition of a story. You can't have oh, a book. Wait, 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 and the definition a, and, of a story. Uh, and not Tony's have an America. Ending, and not have an ending to it. There's no ending to this fucking movie. I hate it. I hate well, it so much. Tony, there's no ending to really anything. If you but really see, like, then you're gonna hate it. all short fiction because, like theater, this movie also mimics yeah. short fiction in that it yeah. leaves you the question. It leaves you the, the introspection. It. it 
doesn't that doesn't end. Like it, it doesn't. doesn't. It doesn't though. Him jumping out the window is the the only part that I absolutely absolutely hate about the ending. Because why? why okay, in your guys' introspective, why the hell is Birdman taking the shit in the bathroom? Let's talk about that for a little while. What? what, what you know, make up some excuse because it's artsy. He's, are you hearing that no, superheroes he's, he's, he's there because of the that time you've seen it. Because it's bullshit, you have to show the fucking guy. Like it's, I, 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 I would agree been... with you. No, this is the thing. I completely agree that there are some points where I just go, this is so fucking artsy, I feel like I'm getting masturbated on by the fucking director. Like, I get it. But that is, that's just another callback to the bird flying behind him and talking in his ear. But essentially, he wants to be Birdman. Yeah. Not, he doesn't want to act as Birdman. He wants to have the admiration and love that Birdman has. Because he, no, he doesn't. He wants the love of his family, and he assumes that by being Birdman, he'll get that. So he does not understand what he wants. Yeah. He does but, not want to be Birdman. He does he not want, want that level of admiration. You the, said that he wanted to be Birdman, but doesn't want to be Birdman. No, he, he thought that by doing that, he'd get this. So that's what he thought he wanted to do. He was wrong, because in the yeah. end, he got that. He was Birdman, so he still has Birdman with him because he still has that admiration, and it was not what he wanted. Right. He realized he made the wrong choice and did the wrong thing. Yeah. So in the end, he got what he thought he had wanted, and it wasn't it. But he got the love of Emma Stone. But Birdman didn't go away. But Bird- Birdman didn't go, because he still, yes, he got the but love, he got of, his, love of his family. But yeah, he got the love of his family, but, by, but at what cost? Yeah. By getting the love of his family, he, fought, he found that he always had the love of his family, right. and he fucked it up by getting the same fame he used to have with Birdman. So by doing it, he just restarted the whole cycle that got him here in the first place. Which if, is, I'm stupidly famous, and I love this, and he doesn't want. And that cycle is ignorance. But he yes, right. So he throughout. No, the movie, I, you just convinced me to like the ending more. No, no, right? <laughs> I did too. You convinced yeah. me. Yeah, I love the ending more. No, no, what you're saying doesn't make sense. The entire movie is about him, his character wanting to become more famous, get, famous, yes. become the love. So we. But he doesn't really. You're saying he doesn't really want that. Right. He wants the love of his family. Yes. Right. So at the end, he gets the love of his family and the fame, but that's a he's, because it's fake. It's fake. He's he realizes that point. He it. never needed that other fame, and now he's stuck with it. But he has the love of his family, so he has what he but wants. But then he wonders, is that it? Is that enough? Did I do it? No, I don't see, think I did it. No, 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 I, like, think, I think the but point he wanted is, the is how he got it. It's like, the, he wanted to put on this amazing performance. And he did. And get famous, to, no, and get famous for being an actor. What he got was fame for shooting his nose off on stage. And he also got fame for being True, naked. but at the, then at, the, yeah. at that same note, if, just, you, if he didn't shoot him, and that was a character, he shot himself. If he didn't do that, he probably would have gotten his fame back. Granted that person wrote the article would have killed the play but everyone at intermission was talking about how fucking good the play was no that doesn't matter that doesn't matter at all that was the point that 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 critic's review is the only thing that mattered to him it doesn't matter how many people were at that opening night if that critic destroyed it no one's going to the second night yeah based on that character based on broadway Broadway. that's absolutely that is spot on that is is broadway to a t yeah Yeah. the entire audience like well i saw it i really liked it Uh, i didn't see it because that critic said it was terrible yeah yeah I don't know. I, I think we're just filling in gaps that I think it, are. I think it's there. I honestly think it's there. The point was he hated the superficial admiration that he got. Yeah. Well, and then I don't understand why he's not happy at the end. Also, also look because he had to blow his nose off to get anyone to pay attention to him. And but but, he, but according to Brian, he wanted to love his family, which he well, got. He wanted to be famous and and loved for his talent and his like 
So he didn't want to be loved by his family. And his choices. He did, he he did, did by it. his family he's, and by his fans. He's a multi-dimensional And he had to pull a bunch of tricks. A lot. <laughs> Here's the thing. He has this thing called multiple dimensions. As much as this that movie is really touch me. That is completely fair, but it's he so... Isn't, he isn't in you know, it. So he mixed. isn't like a character who has this one flat wall where he just wants to build a robot that's going to save the it, world. So he also has this other dimension where he wants love. Also, but also read... Depression and suicide into this too, oh, yeah, totally. yeah. because yeah. So there, Emma Stone there's no, there, there may not. Emma Stone looking up. This is this is where I, this is where my fall into the the void falls into. Um, she isn't looking into the void anymore. She's looking up and trying to find what's next. Ooh, what's she looking that's at? That's one. That's another good way to read. What, it. Did, what is she looking at? She's looking at. It's here's, not, it's not she's what she's looking, looking at. at it's like what, a, what's a white tape on somebody's yeah. wall. They're like, <laughs> it's Emma it's what is she looking it's at? Because you're meant to think that she's looking at Michael Keaton. Maybe you don't Maybe. know. Maybe she looks That's down why first. It's open. Yeah, she does look down. She goes, <gasps> and then she goes like this. Of course, you look down first. And when there's an open down. window and nobody in the bed, you look. Down because that's where they should be, and when you don't see what you want to see, like a lot of Spider-Man films. So maybe she was like practicing that. When you don't see, like the only reason you look up in that situation is if what you expect to see at the bottom isn't there. Not necessarily true. That is necessarily true. Not your spiritual. Again, there's so so dumb. There's so much so dumb. I'm sorry, you don't understand the world's. Nobody understands it. We're just making this shit up. We are. He's leaving it open ended, and he doesn't want to tell anybody what the definitive ending is because he doesn't fucking know. No. Because oh that's because Johnny no. Depp is no back way. there. He doesn't no. have the back there. popping out again, guys. Oh. The pain is coming out. No. No. <laughs> it's not important if he knows. It's not no. important. It totally is important. Because no. as no, a it's filmmaker, no. you need to know. And with that, I'm going to say let's move on to quotes. All right. <laughs> <sighs> Okay. Um, Can we talk about the soundtrack real quick? Oh, the soundtrack's great. We did oh. miss it. Yeah. The That's score, one of my favorite really things. We can do it really, really quick. But Briefly, we're running I love long on this minimalism episode. and this master's minimalism. Absolutely. Yeah. So the drumming is done by this guy, Antonio, Antonio Sanchez, and uh, he starts the movie. You actually hear a, a word <coughs> from him and him detuning his drums. They had to re-record all the drums because they sounded too good originally. That's funny. Um, nice. And another, a, a real bummer for these guys is that they were disqualified for the best original soundtrack because of all the classical cues they have in the movie. That's... Somebody miscalculated the length of time that they're playing classical music and said, oh, that's a, that's a majority of your score. They that's did that with Inception so as well, though. Like, you're pulling cues from these classical music that's almost, like, going to immediately disqualify. Yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, these yeah, movies yeah. Are, that do that, you can't expect them to win. Yeah. They're, really, they're really pulling from yeah. This one should have. It should have. Uh, I agree. Well, I, I agree. Think his drumming was way <laughs> more important to me. Inception. And better than Whiplash. Oh, it truly was. Inception. If you say, what's the soundtrack of Inception to me? I'm thinking that song they play to wake up out of their dream-like mm. state, and that was a, a written classical piece that they yeah. used. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, what was the soundtrack of Birdman? I would say it's that dude's sparse drumming. And yes. Yep, that's the difference. He should have won. Actually, the soundtrack to Inception. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's wow. what I hear. I didn't want to mimic the noise, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so now moving on to quotes. Uh, I'm going to go first, because my quote is a non-quote. Hmm. Um, oh, I do remember. It's an Amy Ryan. It's an Amy Ryan quote. Oh. Is it Amy Ryan? No. Okay. So mine comes uh, after either the first rehearsal or second rehearsal. It's the first time Amy Ryan's in the the room, and he tells her that he's going to be selling their Malibu house to finance the play, and she gets really upset, and and he goes through this whole speech of like fame and all this other stuff, and then at the end of it, she just stops listening, and then he's like, oh, it's like it's like I was on a plane with George Clooney, and I realized that the plane went down. 
no one's going to see my name. They're going to see George Clooney's name. And it's like, well, George Clooney died. And Amy Ryan starts crying and just staring at him. And then he just, like, grasping for straws. Says, oh, did you know that Michael Jackson and Farrah Fawcett... Was it Farrah Fawcett? Yeah. Yeah, Farrah Fawcett died on the same day. Like, trying to be like... Because she's still really famous. Yeah. But no one talked about her. And Amy Ryan says nothing. And it was one of the greatest moments I've seen in a movie where saying nothing was the perfect choice. And she just says nothing. She stands up and walks. And then she gets a little dig there at the end that it was good, but I still think it would have been strong if she just continued to say nothing. Yeah, I agree. Because at but, the end, it kind of ruins that whole moment. I don't think it does. Because I, I think it holds long enough on her not moving till she leaves. And, and just in realism, of she'd say something before she left. Um, but, yeah, the not saying anything is my quote. Oh, that's a good one. Went a little unorthodox this time around. I'm debating between two. I'm going to go with the one that is also a non-quote. Mm. Um, it's a little business card that's on Michael or Riggins, Michael Keaton's character's <laughs> um, mirror. And it's in the bottom right corner. That says, a thing is a thing, not what is said of that thing. Because mm. it kind of sums up his character, I think, a yeah. lot. They're yeah. really clever on the writing in this yeah. film. It's like, you're an actor. You you know you're good. You don't need someone to tell you that you're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John? Alright, I'm going to kind of go off the beaten path. Not when it means anything in the movie, but one I thought was funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, Regan is chal- chal- like calling out my uh, Mike. That's you, Mike. You're Mr. Natural. Mr. Fuck the scene. Just stare at my massive heart on, right? That's the truth of the moment. And Mike goes, do you think it was massive? <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. A, a brilliant writing. Mike Schreiner's character all over that yep. one. Yeah. yeah. It was just a good, good two, you know, really character moments. Yes. That turned out to be really funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, one of my favorite quotes uh, in the movie is uh, Naomi Watts uh, asks... Uh, Reagan's ex-girlfriend, or current girlfriend, I'm sorry, why don't I have any self-respect? And she responds, because you're an actress, honey. <laughs> Another That's, meta joke yeah. about the theater, about actors. I, I loved it. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, mine actually is Emma Stone's first line she has in the movie, and uh, I couldn't find the exact phrasing because my phone doesn't connect here in Burbank. Um, but uh, she's talking to Skype, because she Skypes in the phone call, and she goes, we get the fuck off me, you smell like curry. And she looks back, oh, hey, Dad, what fucking flowers do you want? Because there's too many. And then, They of course, all smell like kimchi. Yeah, yeah, they all smell like kimchi, yeah. And she's just like, she, she just like, looks right at the screen and is talking to him, and then, of course, she brings the flowers in later, and they are roses, which he specifically said, no roses. Yeah. Surprised she hangs up on him. And then, of course, later, she finally brings him something that isn't roses when he's in the hospital with no. Moving on. Um, like I said, we're running low on time. So we're All moving right. straight into the review system, which is right. movies about actors. actors. I'm going to go first, uh, and in honor of my wife, who I know would be picking this movie, uh, I'm going with Noises Off, which is a movie from late 80s, early 90s. I don't remember exactly what year it is. It stars Christopher Reeves, uh, Michael Caine, uh, shitloads of other people that I can't remember right now off the top of my head. Um, John Ritter, I know, is in it. Like, it's just... But it's a movie about making a play and about how everyone in that play fucks each other over. And I think that really kind of emulates this mm-hmm. one in a kind of a good way. That one, it's, it's basically Michael Caine's story about how he wants to make a play and just cannot do it right for the life of him. He also impregnates an actress at one point like it's, and then ends up not being pregnant. So there's a lot of similarities between the two movies. Granted, Noises Off, 
uh, I can make an argument for is one of the funniest movies ever made. <laughs> um, and I mean that wholeheartedly. One of the funniest movies ever fucking made. If you haven't seen it, you're doing yourself a disservice. I'll, I'll go next, I okay. guess. Uh, I want to do the one uh, In a World. It's about the uh, yeah, voice actors. Uh, Lake, Lake Bell, Bell, right? Yeah. Yep. And, and I'm, it's a, the connection there is just the, the delusion of all the actors. Mm. And how, like, I know Birdman shows more of that in the physical manifestation, but you do get that sense that the actors in both movies are so full of themselves. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a very interesting look at two different aspects of actors being full of themselves. Okay. And that's my pick. Uh, I'll go next, because I'm going to cheat and not do a movie about an actor, but a movie about a dancer. The obvious comparison, uh, Black Swan. Oh, okay. I thought That's they were funny. both... I was hoping for Save the Last Dance, but uh, whatever. You can, I'll save that one for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would argue that that is acting. It anyway, is, it is, is acting, absolutely. So it's it's still stage performance. Uh, works. Yeah. I thought they were both great uh, kind of studies on filmmaking and pushed the boundaries of what we expect when we go see a film, and uh, both have bird themes... Uh, Brian is getting a phone call. I'll ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> and both really encapsulate an aspect of what theater is. Did you just yeah. say both have bird themes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! They're the same, because they both have bird themes. <laughs> and bird titles. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, but I really... They do actually go beyond mentioning birds, and, the, like, the, the bird character is kind of, like, taking over the main character, in a way. Yeah. Okay. I dig it. Cody or Tony? I'll go. Um, so, uh, I mine's not going to have anything to do with the stories really, but more of the filmmaking. Uh, I'm going to go Moulin Rouge. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Um, just because I think, like Birdman, the style that these two directors created is really what makes these movies. I mean, absolutely, everything does, but their style is what really either draws people to it or really pushes people away from it. And they're both styles that require a lot of rehearsal. Absolutely, yes. yeah, a lot of planning, stage moving, brilliant stuff. Mine is going to be one that you're all going to laugh at, but uh, <laughs> funny people. Oh, wait, no laughter. Damn it. Um, uh, just like the real movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, oh, the there's the good joke. <laughs> Waiting for it. Um, no, I think the, the disconnect between uh, the main characters, obviously Adam Sandler's character in Funny People is very disconnected from the idea of yeah. the person that he is. That disconnect is also seen with Michael Keaton's character as well, Regan. Um, I just think that I, I like Funny People. I don't care what... If, fuck you if you don't like it. I don't care. So fuck yeah. everybody else in the world. Yeah. Um, I like it. I like it because of the fact of it's it's... You just told our whole audience to fuck, fuck off. Yeah. You just told everyone. 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 Probably. I had a few people that liked Elizabeth Town. Anyway, continue. Yeah. It's okay. Oh, weird. Yeah. Either which way, I think that there's a really good connection there with how when you get to a certain point in your career as an actor, you're trying to switch yourself and become something else. And I think that's seen in both films as trying to rekindle something that you thought you loved when you were younger. That's clearly Adam Sandler's character and Funny People is trying to do that with his comedy coming back to mm-hmm. his presence where he was, where he started. And that's Michael Keaton coming back to the stage, the place where he literally fell in love with this idea of acting because of this story. Hmm. So there's a good connection. That's funny about Funny People. Connection. If that movie came out 10 years from now, it'd be so much more relevant to Adam Sandler. That's why I'm, 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 I'm banking on it for the long run. There the prophecy go. has come true. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, well, I have mentioned that we're running long today, so I'm going to bring this to a close as fast as I can. Next week we have Kingsman, and if things go correctly, we're going to have two special guests on that episode from a uh, another podcast. Uh, the week after that we have Ex Machina, and then we have a bunch of other stuff coming up. Cool. Um, so with that, I'm going to say thank you to everyone on. Mm-hmm. You are welcome. Uh, and bye! 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 bye. 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 See, you said it was massive. <laughs>